Hello. This is a quick pre-podcast message from me, Geraldine Quinn, to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's been weeks and weeks since the last episode. My aim is to bring out two episodes per month, but it was the Melbourne International Comedy Festival and I was doing a show with a band and the album was being pressed. And there are a few references in this episode of the podcast to the album not being pressed. It is now. Thank you very much to all the possible supporters. Uh, And also some family events happened that were sad and very unexpected. So thank you for your patience. Um, Then Prince died as well. That was also balls. But on re-listening, I realised that this episode actually features a lot of chat about creativity, finding your voice and getting stuff done. Appropriate, huh? That's what Prince would have done. Oh, and also there is some swearing. Not like Prince, like not in his later years, he he stopped swearing quite so much um, and being as sexy. I mean, he was sexy, but he he was more about knocking on doors and talking about Jehovah. But anyway, anyway, um, but for once, I didn't start the swearing this time. Hooray! Anyway, on with the podcast. Hey there, cats and kittens, and welcome to Bang on the Strillers, the cabaret podcast with me, Geraldine, same birthday as Prince, which is going to make 2016's birthday a little bit mournful, Quinn. In this episode, I crap on with Kai Smythe, also known as Harry Soulman. And we talk about why dogs are the best, being a project-driven hermit, having candle-making parents while growing up in Queensland, and some actually pretty profound observations on the creative process. No, really, we got right into it. It's quite interesting. Anyway, I hope you enjoy it. This was recorded before I went to Adelaide, so it was a little while ago, and uh, things are a bit different now. For a start, Prince isn't alive. Ah, now I'm sad. Shit. It's recording, so I just talk. Oh, okay. We just talk shit for. Uh, usually, this bit gets cut out. Sometimes what? it doesn't. This is the best bit. <laughs> um, so no, that's. Mm. It's really nothing. I don't know if you've listened to anything. That no, I done. haven't actually. I haven't heard them yet. That's fine. That's fine. It's. This is the second one we've recorded where there's been an adorable dog around the corner, and oh, I, yeah. I've had to try to focus. <laughs> I know. Tally, oh, the adorable dog Tally, just coming no, yeah, around Tally the corner. Yeah, Telly knows. She knows when she's being spoken about. What's the dog's name? Telly. Telly? Yeah. Like Savalis? Yeah, Telly Savalis, yeah. She, uh, she's excitable, but she's very nice. Like she, um, she, was she um, someone's dog as a puppy or was she a rescue dog? No, uh, as a puppy, yeah. I was going to so, say, because she's a border collie. Not many people give those up. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, it was uh, my, uh, my roommate. It's uh, his dog. But, uh, yes, I've known her since she was a little tiny oh, one. How old is she? Oh, she's now she's four. Oh, so she's still pretty young. She's still pretty young. So, yeah. But, yeah. we, but, but yeah, Sean got her four years ago, so she was tiny little oh. border collie. Oh, just, I mean, I'm so, uh, I'm so cringy at people who gush about cats and yeah. babies and <laughs> but dog, <laughs> but even dogs. dogs yeah. But dogs is probably I'm the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just go... <laughs> no, it's because I can't get one. Yeah, right. Because you can't have one. I can't have one, and we and we grew up with dogs. Yeah, we, we had. Um, well, I had a cat when I was very small. I'm allergic now, but uh, we had two dogs at different times. Mm. So, so 
I'm, and I'm, yeah, you just miss them. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I never had um, pets when I was growing up, so I, so I, so I never had the experience. But, but um, I really like it that my roommate owns a dog. One because I don't have to deal with yeah. the dog, yes. <laughs> but then I can also just have all its love and yeah. and be like, oh hey, come here, Telly, I'm gonna pat you for a bit, but I don't need to feed you, and I don't need to worry about if you go to the vet. I'm you don't go. have to worry about if you go away no, for exactly. a show. I'm going for two months, Telly. You can do whatever you want because yeah. I don't. I don't have any responsibility. So that's, that's my favorite part of having a dog in the house because I get to have all the, the good bits about having a dog but none of the responsibility. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's how I feel about nieces and nephews with, yeah, ch- yeah, with totally. children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, brilliant. And they'll pat them for a bit and then yeah, get yeah. out. I, I walked past a there's a building complex in Ascot Vale where I had to drop by some get a little errand done and it's mm. called Sienna which is one of my niece's names so oh, yeah. I took a photo and said Ascot Vale's named a building after you <laughs> which is a really kind of crappy joke but yeah, I just thought but, I'm gonna look amazing but brilliant yeah Sienna will be so impressed She's like what. <laughs> First it was the pencil and now yeah. this. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. So what um, – I don't have any set questions or anything. No, no. But I am curious about what the Hairy Soul Man sort of side project is. Is, but it's not a side project because that's how I first sort of knew well, you. Yeah, well, I guess, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a weird um, kind of anomaly in the fact that I don't really do a lot – uh, so some people know who I am, but some people have no idea who I am. Most people actually don't know who I am. It's only a, a small group of people that are like, oh, you did that thing maybe once. Because um, I don't actually gig that much. I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm quite. Uh, You're project driven, I I'm think. I'm project driven. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm project driven. I'm also quite hermit-like. So, oh, um, that's right. So am I. Yeah. So, so, I, so I don't actually, uh, so I don't actually get out much and I don't, um, do a lot, but I do things project based. So I do things, you know, as they come up, mm. um, and all different kinds of projects, I guess. So yeah, I, so you've I got do, a strong film background. Yeah, so I do film, I do music, I do cabaret, I do comedy. So I don't stay in one world long enough for people to know who I am. Yeah, well, not, I, I don't think of myself as being particularly no. probably more so than you, but still, but I kind yeah, of flit yeah, around things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, so Harry Solman is actually quite new for my stuff because I've only been doing that for the last three years, I think two, three years, which is kind of, I guess, quite new for all the other projects that I've been working How on. How do you describe it? If you had to describe it to somebody, um, like say me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I would describe Harry Solman like, uh, it's essentially it's comedy soul music. So Harry Solman is... Did you feel like, sorry to interrupt you, did no. you feel like you were, this is an element of something that I want to do? As in, yeah. oh, no, oh, I don't get to use my soul voice. That's exactly, that is actually exactly how it happened. Because because I, uh, it was, yeah, a couple of years ago, I, because I've always loved soul music and I've always been a massive fan of it. And um, uh, I had this weird um, thing as a child that I grew up really... <laughs> but they, since the doctor, it's been fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no one can cure it. Uh, yeah, but I, I had this weird thing that um, I grew up uh, heavily influenced by uh, black American culture. Mm. Um, Why more so than anything else particularly? I have no idea. I, I I was drawn to it, but I think because of the rhythm, because of the, 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 uh, the emotions, because of the power, and I 
remember being a child and being white and being very disappointed that I was white <laughs> and very sad that I was white. And, and, and for a long time, I just wanted to be a black person because I, like, I would look at them and go, they're just better in every way. And I hated being a white person for so long. I didn't like it. I wanted to be black for a very long time because I think they have better rhythm. They sound better. They sing better. They, they, just, they just got everything going on. So, and then, you know, I, I became a teenager and an adult and I kind of got over it to a point. I'm like, oh no, I guess I can, I can be white and it's all right, I guess. Anyway, so I, uh, yeah, so I grew up and then I was doing some other stuff and I, and I always just loved soul music, but I never did it because I was afraid to do it. So I was afraid to ever sing soul music because I felt... Like uh, a fraud. Yeah, I did. And I felt like I wasn't ever going to be good enough because I'm like, well, these guys just do it so much better and they've got more soul than I do. So I just never did it until oh, there was a point and I went, you know what? No, this is, I'm, you know, I, I reckon I can do it. Yeah. But I said, well, how about I do comedy soul? Because then. Takes the edge off. I can, it takes the edge off me being a soul singer, but I can still do exactly what I want and I yeah. can still sing how I want, but then I can kind of bring in my comedy, which I kind of like anyway. I like the idea of doing comedy soul instead of just straight soul anyway. Um, but it meant that I could just kind of, you know, wear fantastic suits and have a big soul band behind me and not feel like I was a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's how it actually... There's a lot of psychological shit to unpack Absolutely. There. Oh, it's it's huge. And I, I now feel okay. But even when I... Like, I, I toured recently um, to America like a year or two ago and I was scared when I first got there doing the, soul music yeah. in America because I'm like, oh, this is fucking... Oh, Someone's no. going to jump Someone's going to go, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. That guy's not real. I'm like, fuck run but thankfully when i was over there it was fine and everyone and everyone was like yeah no it's great oh thank god this is this reminds me of that conversation we had backstage at the recently at the that bowie fundraiser where you were talking about how because you've just come at this from a different angle to me so Mm. so so i grew up in uh, dandenong Uh, i grew up in the in the late 80s and early 90s in particular was very r&b focused yeah if you listened to like what eventually independent music, which was often very like British music. Yeah. You listen to The Cure or The Smiths, yeah, you yeah, got yeah. beaten up, yeah, right, basically. Yeah. So that's how I grew up. Yeah. Um, and what I saw was a lot of white people trying very hard to mm. be gangster, yeah. which I went, what? Yeah, because yeah. you're really trying to be something that you're not. That you're not, yeah. Now, so that... In that element, I kind of understand where you're at. But as a singer and as somebody who approaches songs, I, and a musician, mm. I think I've always tried to be a pantheon as far as human experience yeah. goes. Now, no one's going to sound like Patti LaBelle because she's probably the best singer on the planet. Yeah. Um, that's fine. I'm not going to try. No, no, I'm not going to try. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. And there are people that will try. Yes, and absolutely. And what I think's really interesting is when you're finding the way that you sing mm. is you copy a lot of people when you're younger and then you kind of find where you are yeah. and what you're capable of and what yeah. your flavour of things is. Totally. And that's when I think you're a really strong interpretive singer. So mm. your conversation, you were saying you get scared about doing covers because you don't do covers very often. Yeah. And I was sort of going, yeah, but you just got to find where's the Kai smile. Yeah, exactly. And I think I've only found that recently. You're worried about copying styles, like being mm. a mimic of styles rather than, than being getting influenced by all this stuff Absolutely. and then channeling it through who you are. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, which is and, what and those great blues musicians do, whatever colour that they absolutely. are. Absolutely, and I, and I think that's uh, and that's something that's only recently uh, occurred for me. I think I think for a long time I was just worried about, and especially when you, I guess you know, when you've got idols or you've got people that you look up to, yeah. musician, uh, you know. You, you you listen to their music and you listen to their voice and you go, I just can't ever be that good. And you get scared, then you don't want to do it. You go, you go I just don't want to, because, you know, I, I want to be that good or not at all. Yeah. Uh, so I think that also has stopped me doing a lot of stuff as well because I've just gone, I've, I've written something and then I've just never shown anyone because I've never felt that it's good enough compared to the people that I... Uh, aspire to be, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so all of your approach is com- comparing yourself to these these great. Yeah. Rather than but finding only, your story by but being now, influenced yeah, by. Then them. that's only a recent thing that now I kind of go. Oh no, I think I have now. I have my own thing, but it took a long time to find my own thing. But now I don't worry about it so much. Yeah. So now I'm kind of just you know. Well, see, I w- wished if I could play. I was talking to my uh, the guy who's mastering my album at the moment, yeah. and just um, and I said, I think if somebody said you can have one instrument that you can play really, really well, but you're yeah. only allowed to have one, no. I can think of three that would be my top three. But I reckon I'd say lead guitar. Mm. But I'm probably never going to be able to do it, and even a passable no, solo on a lead guitar. No, I'm no. going to keep trying. But you what? Keep trying. But the thing is. I grew up kind of wishing I could do things like that. And then the people that really excited me, and this goes for singers too, but particularly mm. with guitarists, like mm. someone like Pete Townsend, this is yeah, the best Pete example Townsend, I've yeah. got. He's the most brilliant rhythm guitarist because he wanted to play lead. Yeah. And everything he couldn't do, he channeled into rhythm. So sometimes what you can't achieve in those people that you admire Don't comes out in comes a way that wouldn't ways. it wouldn't happen that way. Absolutely. Otherwise. And yeah. you and creatively you find things that no one totally, else will find. Because totally. it squishes you into a certain place because you're trying to go for this, you go, I can't, but I can kind of get around it yeah. this way. Yeah. Absolutely. And then someone says how did you even think of that? Yeah, because I was wow, trying to do a thing were, yeah, yeah. and I knew I so, couldn't. And, yeah, and so much comes from compromise. But yeah. compromise then becomes the thing that you're known. And people go, oh, that's original. And it's like, oh, yeah. And it's because you've gone. No, but you've made it negative straight away. You've turned it into compromise. No, but, but it's but it, okay, but it's negative. It's workarounds. It's, it's workarounds, but then it starts as a negative and then turns to a positive. Like Launching. sometimes you're like, oh, no, I can't do that. I'll do it this way. And people go, oh, I really like that. And you go, oh. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, and that's I'll do it you like finding that. your voice exactly. though, isn't and it? And then it's finding the originality that you think is not better or you go oh that's not as good but I'll just do it but then what you realise is that actually is just your originality yeah and it's making your own kind of style yeah mm, absolutely I and mean, everybody gets excited about everybody mm. the, the best people you can think of who you wish you could sound like or yeah. write like or play like yeah would have been had somebody ahead of them someone and then that, they would have been like oh I'm never going to get to that point and you know yeah and who, it, they, who they just went we're not yeah, worthy yeah, yeah. We're not, we can't do I'll have to try this other thing and then they created their own style like it's yeah it's it's, it's happened throughout um, history because I mean, we're how all humans and that's how everything is written it's, everything's written by someone going oh I really love that thing I wish I could be like that oh I'll just do this thing and then that thing becomes the amazing thing that the next person goes oh I wish I could do that and it just keeps going like, there's it, a power in knowing when you can't Emulate mm. something, mm. but that you go. These are the tools. I, these are the tools I have got. Yeah, and this is the story I want to tell. And that's like, there's no comparison with the story that we no. want to tell. I mean, no. you, that's that's the story you want to. That's it. That's, that's it. it. Yeah. And then you go. Here are my tools. I really would like it to sound like that, but I'm gonna have to do my take on it sounding like that because yeah. I've only got these tools. Yeah. Uh, and that makes a different thing. So absolutely. I, I said it's like a chemistry. You just no, it is mm. no, absolutely, absolutely. And it, and and I guess it takes um, certain people 
longer to find that chemistry or shorter to find that. Like some people like they have their own thing in their twenties, like early twenties, and yeah. they go, oh, "This is their own thing." But I, I personally didn't uh, really have my thing until maybe a couple of years ago. Mm. So it took me a lot longer, you know. Mm. It, took, it took me to my to the start of my thirties to go. Oh, now I know what I'm doing. Oh, me too. Mm. Uh, but the, all of that, all of those attempts, and all of that. Yeah, immersion that you had up until that point is what is what's given you that. Absolutely, now. and and I look back now and I look at it all and I go, oh, that's all rubbish. But it's great. It's great uh, as a, as an evolution. Like yeah. it's 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 evolution techniques. There's all these things that have uh, have been building for now, which is awesome. So now I feel like, oh wow, I've got a really good body of work. But before I was like, oh, that's rubbish. Transition. Did you grow up in Melbourne? No, I grew up in um, Queensland. So I've been down oh. in Melbourne. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, so I've been down in Melbourne for like ten years now. Yeah, but uh, maybe a bit under ten years. And uh, I, but I grew up in um, in Brisbane and in the Sunshine Coast, and a little bit in uh, New South Wales, like Lismore, Byron Bay. When I was a really small child, because um, my parents were hippies, so they lived. So much uh, is making sense now. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So yeah, my 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 parents were candle makers uh, oh. when I when I was born. So so I was like you know uh, we lived in a in a caravan park in Lismore making candles, um, and that's so I, I I was I was brought up in a very beatnik bohemian kind of lifestyle, and wow. everyone that was around me was just musicians and and drug addicts and you know just crazy people, and that was my whole life. There was no so I didn't come I didn't come from this you know. Uh, Quiet background and the thing yeah. with everyone's like, <laughs> I, like my whole family are, are nuts. Like I like I, I'm not the black sheep by any means. If there was a black sheep in my family, there would have to be an accountant uh, yeah. that has a normal job. And you know, <laughs> so my my whole family they're all bohemians and they've all been crazy. Like my grandmother, she started the uh, the first jazz club in Brisbane um, in like the 60s, mm. uh, and when she was 21. So she wow. had my mother in her, in her hand, and she started a jazz club where all the jazz greats would come from all around the world in Brisbane and would play there. It was like this underground place called the Primitive. Um, and she brought coffee. She brought like espresso to to Brisbane because they didn't have espresso. She brought a lot of different cultures there because it was a you know horribly horribly uncultured place. Sixties um, Brisbane. Sixties Brisbane, mm. and you just, but you see photos of my grandmother. She's like. Um, uh, you know, have you seen The Incredibles, Pixar, yes. The Incredibles? You know Edna Mole? He's, he's, know, he's basically yes, Edith Head, the that's, costume that's, designer that's Edith Head. Yeah, that's essentially, my grandmother's very similar to that. She, oh, she wears the big glasses. She's got a black bob. She still has a black bob even though she's 80 now. <gasps> yes. And she wears gowns, you yeah. know, and she's like, hello, darling, champagne, everyone. She walks around and everyone just, Perfection. you know, is in, is like, like follows her. Um, That's the kind of old woman I want to be, or like Vivian Westwood with you know dyed a shock of orange hair and my vagina hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my goal. Well, yeah. Well, look, and that's you know that's the funny thing because my yeah my family was full uh, matriarchy. So so my my mother and uh, my auntie and then my grandmother and my great grandmother. Yeah, they were the lineage. There was no the 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 men weren't there. Um, so it was just matriarchal. So I, I grew up in that, in, in that, uh, in my family. But the funny thing is the next, um, generation of our family are all massive hairy men. So, so, so we've got all these huge fat hairy guys in a matriarchal family 
So we're huge and we're Is all that the how same. You make that? Yeah. So oh. we're so we're all that size. So we're all like You're, nearly two meters and, and yeah. some of us are huge, like just huge guys, big hairy. But we're from a matriarch, so so we're all really, you know... You're, you're all pussycats. Yeah, you're all big puppy dogs. We're all big puppy dogs because, you know... <laughs> yeah, we didn't have any... Like, we had men around, but it wasn't that... Well, they weren't the, you know... They weren't the pillars of the family. So, yeah, so so I, so I my whole life has been bohemian. And even up there, and which is one of the reasons why I moved down to Melbourne, because, uh, yeah, Queensland is an interesting place. Yes. And there's a lot of rednecks. Um, yes. Like, to the point where when I grew up, Sorry, my, Queensland. I mean, no, yeah. with all, look, all love for look, you, but... I would say sorry, Queensland, but I grew up there, so I don't need to, yeah. I need to say sorry. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, even when I was in primary school, I, um, I went to a school uh, called Malula uh, State School. And it was like Malula this, rings a bell. Yeah, it was near Malula Bar, which oh. is like a coastal thing, but it's, it's inland. It's like a hinterland, sunshine coast, really small town. Right. And it looks a beautiful place, beautiful rolling hills. It is possible I'll cut um, some bad mouthing in Brisbane just because I might want to get a gig there again. I'm on quite good terms with the powerhouse. So. Yeah, right. See, I, I'm good. I'm good to not uh, not tour there. So no, I, I would actually. I've got a lot of you know. I still have a lot of there's, fans. Of there's there. good and there's different people everywhere. There's yeah. just there's just different ratios. There is, and yeah. unfortunately, up there there was a bit of a there is a bit of a redneck ratio. That, but that's but that's also because I grew up. As a full bohemian, mm. so I came into a world that wasn't my world. Like it was, so, so I guess the thing was, uh, it wasn't their fault. It was my fault. My like because I was different to everyone else. So in this school, this primary school, mm. it was uh, it was completely white. There was no ethnic minorities at all. So not like Dandy Nong. <laughs> not at all. Not one. It was all white. <laughs> and so so I came into it and I had American accent when I was a child because my father's American. I was going to ask. Yeah. So I've got this weird tinge now. But the reason why is when I was a kid, I had a full American accent. And wow. I moved to this place in Malula and they hated me because I was from somewhere else. And uh, and I was the only ethnic minority there, so I was the one that got all the the racial jokes. So they would tell me to go back to my own country. They're like, and they'd call me Seppo, which ethnic is, minority, uh, ethnic, ethnic, as in from somewhere else but Australia. And right. that was you mean the, American? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I'm looking at you going, you're a white man. That's exactly right. <laughs> which was the crazy thing because I was a white man and I was still the guy that they would they would you know villainize because I was from somewhere else. Oh, that's the same thing with getting beaten up for playing a Cure song at a birthday party in exactly. the 80s because yeah. you were different. Because you were different. Yeah, your black nail polish would get you beaten up yeah. in the late 80s in Dandy Knob. Oh, oh so yeah, don't worry. I think uh, yeah, up there is the same. Up yeah, there is, I, guess I it's get just it. That crazy, those crazy regional places. Yeah, and just yeah, the one different. The thing. one different thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they call me Seppo, which is, which is uh, septic tank. Oh, for God's sake. Which is what they called Yanks. Yank oh, rhymes with septic tank. So in the Second World War, uh, people so in Queensland called them. it's got some history. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here going, how the, how the fuck does these kids, do these kids know septic tank from their parents? parents. So the parents Hung would have said. Hung on to it like grim death. Yeah. And, and, then, and then I would have come to the school and the kids would have gone, oh, there's this American kid. And then the parents, parents would have gone, yeah. Seppo. Oh. And then the kids called me Seppo. I'm like, how do you even know that derogatory term? How insidious is that? Go back to your own country, you Fucking Seppo. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, you can see, you'd almost see the kids at home yeah. going, oh, that's a good one, Dad. Hang on, I'll get one, my Dad, pen. I'll write that down. <laughs> so then I tried to get rid of my accent because of that. So, oh. so I tried to learn the Australian accent because I was scared of being different 
in a in a small town country because there was no one else around. Yeah. But then I got caught up in the middle. Now I some, have some weird kind of half accent. Yeah. So then no one knows where I'm from now, which is fine. That's fine. I was just yeah. glad that you went, you know, putting it on to try no, to look more no, interesting. No, I, I can't put it on. I, just, I, I try. I got, look, I can, I can do an Australian accent. I can do an American accent, but neither of them now comes naturally. Yes. So I can do them both, but they don't come naturally. Whatever this is comes naturally, even though I don't know what it is. Oh, I actually worked. I actually worked to make my accent less okay. Yeah, so, right. So for because I hated being country. Being country, yeah, of and, course. And then in Dandenong, I hated, you know, the really broad. Yeah. yeah. And and like it was, I mean, because gangs were really big then. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and it really was that ridiculous. I mean, mm. when I think, you know, all the, all the nonsense that's happening at the moment about re- taking funding away from safe schools. Um, yeah. Uh, like the resonance for me is not just, yes, it's obvious that we should have support for people who identify um, LGBTI and, and mm. beyond in that whole spectrum. Of mm. course, of course. That, yeah. That's why would you take funding away from that? That's insane. Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. But the parallel for me is you're the different person and that's that was that's... what I was at school and absolutely and and there's a various shades of the different person and mm. it's it's the problem of it's it is actually everyone else it is actually everybody else who's bullying and going home and their parents making some comment yeah like making that. some and comment yeah exactly it's and i was and i was um i was the fag at school anyway because i wore weird clothes so 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 I was you know they they called me faggot anyway. Well, it was a Catholic school, so I had a uniform. Uh, but the length of your skirt could discern could which discern tribe you were in. You know. Yeah. We had long skirts that went past our knees and long socks that we pulled up because we were the so-called the mods. Mods, of yeah. course. <laughs> right. So little little subtle. Yeah. Yeah, and and mod was a, was a way to say that we were that was that was an insult that, to them that was a, an insult and we were going. I'm actually quite happy to be called that. It's okay. You can call it. Yeah. Thank you. Mods. It's like, yeah, great. Okay, cool. But you mean the really interesting culture that looks cool and they have really snappy dresses and yeah. good music? Okay, yeah. sure. You've actually got it wrong because that wasn't quite us, but we're still happy to take it. <laughs> sure. That. If you think, well, exactly. Kids going, oh, yeah, you're that. We're like, well, it's not an really, ins- Oh, it reminds me when I was in primary school, the way that children will find anything to insult you, even when they're not quite sure what it means. And yeah. so I would have been maybe seven or eight years old. And I remember very, remember very distinctly Diane calling me a slut. Of course. And I went in my little brain, I don't think she, she knows, knows what that means. Yeah. Um, but it was just the worst word she could think of. Yeah, of course, because she'd heard it somewhere. Yes. And, and, and everyone was horrified when they heard that. And she said, oh, well, I'll keep that in the yeah, it horrifying word. It wasn't word even bank. bitch, it was, no, it was slut. Slut. And the reason I, my, that hatred was there was because my mum was a teacher at the school, and that's it. <laughs> Your mother wow. teaches mother me. Mother teaches, you're a slut. You're a slut. <laughs> um, you're eight. Oh, man. What? <laughs> Transition. I was doing a gig in Craigieburn. Yeah. Uh, and the person that organised it uh, was very lovely. And yeah. uh, she had this idea to make this kind of series and put it together and got in touch with me to host this event. Mm. And um, she listened to my podcast and went, I'm a little bit worried about the swearing. And I went, oh, no, no, that's just the podcast. It's like, I'm perfectly capable of not swearing. Of not swearing, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah. But you do have that moment where you go, gosh, some, if I'm on the on the list, am I going to get dropped off because I say fucking uh, yeah. podcast that's oh, got yeah. a very clear warning. That, that's a really weird thing. That's the interesting thing with the swearing because I really, uh, realize that it is just part of my uh, everyday speaking like like i just put fucking in there just 
you know, I'll just think, oh, it was like, it was uh, fucking like that. And I'll just say it. Yeah. And then I won't really think about it until someone goes, whew. And that was, uh, you know, you're swearing. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. There's words that people are still worried about, yes. even though it means nothing. Yeah, it's the it's language. The, it's yeah, just... It's, you got to have, you know... Yeah, yeah. so, so I, I do... I have feel like it's a part of the language that I speak. So mm. in this context, yeah. I don't have any shame about it. Yeah, but in... Yeah. But I am capable of working clean. <laughs> <laughs> Very capable. <laughs> yeah. I've performed in front of children I, and uh, they have not been scarred. Yeah. I have performed in front of children and they absolutely have been scarred. <laughs> I tell people I tell people not to book me for anything children related. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what have you done? Oh, I, well, I, do, I, I did a gig. That's funny. I, did, I got booked for a gig with Harry Soulman. Uh, <gasps> it, like at a, at a market, like a night market. I'm like, oh, okay, night market. There's probably a lot of... Adults there, I guess that's fine. I got there and it was just filled with children. I'm like, oh my god. Uh, and I, I just looked at my set list and it was all my, you know, songs. I mean, I have one song that's like a reggae song called "Cold on My Genitals," and it's just about <laughs> me talking about different, like I'm just using different words for my dick and balls of how cold my dick and balls are. And you know, it's ridiculous, but. It's not a children's song. A lot of my songs, you know, I have one song, How Deep Can I Go?, which is about a serial killer love song. It's a guy that, you know, who, who takes home, you know, <laughs> victims and he tortures them, but he loves them. And they're all like, all my, you You're know, com- all my comedy is very wrong. So I'm, I'm, but I'm there and I'm like, I, can't, I don't have any other songs to play. I need to play my set list. And I just had to, like, before most of the songs, I had to kind of, you know, say a big shout out to the audience going, okay, parents, just so you know, <sighs> this song is really intense. And if you want your children to learn some new things or Aww. have questions for you after, please let them <laughs> stay. But if you really don't want, uh, uh, you know, to have to talk to them about life tonight, then maybe take them away. But... I, I, you know, the parents didn't seem to give a shit. They're at the back drinking wine or whatever, going, yeah, whatever. Oh <laughs> so the, and then all the kids are there listening to me, and I'm like, oh my fucking god. Well, you don't think about those, or think about all the pop songs no. that you listen to when you're a grown up, and, yeah. and you listen back to the ones that you yeah. heard when you were a kid, and you go, I had no idea. That's so yeah, exactly. You're, Whoa, and and I know that at the time these kids are just jumping and dancing to my songs, and I know they had no idea what I was talking about. Yeah. But it's just funny looking at them going, yeah, this song's great. And I'm like, oh man, if you knew what this song was about, little, little girl, holy <laughs> shit. So yeah, so I so I, I have to I have to tell people if they try and book me, I have to say, look, this is not for children, this is not even for young teens. It's it's you know, it's 16 and over. Like, don't don't book me for anything else, because none of my comedy is uh childproof. You Funnily enough, I I recently did um, tour a children's show. Uh, which was very weird because I don't do children's theatre, but I got asked to do it by someone. Someone's like, oh, one of our, you know. Yeah, yeah, fully paid, paid okay. fully paid. And they toured me around. Uh, last year we went to the Middle East. We went to Bahrain. Wow. Yeah, for a, fest- for a festival there. So they flew us over, paid us, put us in hotels. Like it was like crazy legit. Um, Is there such a thing as a festival? If not, someone should get onto that. <laughs> a festival? Sorry, I thought you said festival and then I went... Man, a festival. My brain just went straight somewhere filthy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there is. Anyway, in so Europe, you went maybe. to Bahrain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, like it was. Uh, yeah, it was really crazy. Bahrain's awesome though. Like Middle East is fantastic because I wanted to go for a long time, but I've never had a chance. But mm-hmm. um, but it was weird because it was a children's show that was. It was called The Magic Chicken, and it's just this like. <laughs> and it was it was it's a very European children's show, so it's not like oh what's over there. It's it's a it's just full slapstick. Uh, you know, four clowns kind of on stage as different people, and I played the bad guy. So that's fine because I could, you know, be really scary and scare the children and, they, you know, sometimes children would cry in the audience, which is great. And I loved that because because um, I love making children cry. So, you know, if I came out and I heard... You don't have to go to Bahrain to do that. <laughs> no. Oh, I, don't worry. I made a lot of Australian children cry before I went over there. Okay. That, well, you would just, you know, everything builds up until that point in your career and then you and just make it. as many children cry as I can. So if you hear someone start to wail, you know you're on yeah, point. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, brilliant. My character's working today if... Because I'm, I'm the scary character, so, it's, so I needed to make some children scared, which is good. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, really, uh, really interesting because I, I I've never done children's theatre before, and like I said, my work is really not children, you mm. know, proof. Or uh, and yeah, I just got the call one day saying, "Oh, do you want to tour this show? Uh, it's like a children's show." I'm like, "Why? Well, I don't do children's theatre." Like, oh, it's all right, but you know, you're just playing this guy, and um, there's no talking in it. It's all it's all physical, and um, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, I guess I'll do it." But it's very weird. It's very weird. One of those weird things. It's the only things that I, the only thing that I, uh, that I do, that can be for children is this weird kind of show. I have a, th- I made a joke that is so niche. No one's got it yet. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, <laughs> so really niche. Yeah. Well, I, I might have said this on the second part of Gillian Cosgrave's podcast, so yeah. I might edit it out. But um, <laughs> I was sort of saying to someone, "Gee, doing a kids' show is the new." Dead Dad Show of the comedy world. Dead Dad Show. Yeah, she didn't get that either. I didn't get it. Oh. There was a period, where, there's a bit of a running gag that people do a Dead Dad Show. Like there's a whole bunch of, <laughs> there's a lot of people who've done a show about their oh, dad dying. Oh, about their dad dying. Yes, 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 So yes, we yes, call it the yes. Dead Dad Show. Yes. And now now everyone's doing a kids show. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, I just, <clears throat> I guess I have a reaction because uh, I know the cabaret tends to fall um, for this trap a little bit mm. of a particular type of things. Like yes. so everyone's doing their tribute show or everyone's doing right. their this yeah, show. Yeah, and yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a, a, like to the point where Ruth Wilkin, who's a very Ruth, talented yeah. young cabaret artist and songwriter, did a show called Tribute because everyone was cobbling together a show of a person. So there's there's an artist I'd love to do a show on. I won't say who it is in case somebody rips me off. Of course. But but I really wouldn't want it to look like that. Yeah, which is, yeah, Uh, absolutely. Which is, yeah, I guess that is a a thing as well, like is is that... uh, I don't know. I guess it, when you're in a genre, it, there is that those specific things that that genre does. Don't do it for the sake of doing that type of show. Do yeah. it because you really, because you really, really want to do that. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I think uh, that's, that is the trap that some people get into and go, oh, I'm going to do this show because it's like this or because it's good for money or because it's, and not because that was their, their, an idea that came to them. Yeah. And just doing something because someone else has done it. Uh, and it's done well. And by the way, almost everyone I'm thinking of, yeah. um, I think, would do great kids shows. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, because uh, uh, a bunch of my friends have done them, and they're great. I mean, uh, Doctor Brown, um, yeah, Phil, he did, he did great 
children's show. I mean, but also, I guess, because he's a clown already, but his children's show was brilliant, very yeah. funny, and he's very good with kids. Yeah. Because he's chaos. Yeah. And the kids love chaos, and he is just yes. pure chaos. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah. just went nuts for him because right. they could do whatever they wanted, and he did whatever he wanted. <laughs> so the kids were just running around going nuts. Oh, yeah, and Heath and Heath, uh, Franklin and, and Harley Breed are both such great, big, silly idiots. Yeah, they, that, they I, can, that they can, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So See, the, I, I could never do it because I'm just not. Uh, well, someone said it to me. Someone went, Oh, I think you should do a kids' show. And I went, I don't. I'm not saying no, but definitely not now until yeah. I've had an idea that works because yeah. the because I would need to write songs for children. Yeah. And I think that Daniel Tobias and Claire Bartholomew are doing that well now mm. or I would need to do songs in a particular way and I think Alan McGregor's doing that well McGregor, now. Yeah. So yeah. I can't see what I would what contribute would that do. would be different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's so, and that goes back to it is is uh, not doing it because you know oh I should do a kids show. If you have a kids show, which some people do and they do it brilliantly, idea, you go yeah. that's that's fantastic. Yeah. But like, you know, but it comes from good stock. I mean, the Wiggles. I mean, they weren't cockroaches. They were the cockroaches. Yeah. So so they you know they started in you know adult and went oh maybe we should do this thing and they. You know, when gangbusters. So yeah. That, so it is. So it is a. You know. Well, that's true for cabaret too. Though. Like the whole yeah. genre. Sometimes you go. You don't just have to do a cabaret because you, you don't have to do it. No. You can wait until you've got a good idea. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> oh, that sounded so horrible. No. But no. But, but I think I think it's true because I I, I fell into that trap uh, for quite a few years of doing things because and I was talking to uh, to a friend of mine the other day. I, yeah. I realized that for 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 at least three or four years of my career, like recently. Um, I was doing things that that I was told I should be doing, or that I thought I should have been doing. Yeah, you know. So especially with um, the Fringe Festival circuit and all that kind of stuff, I started doing the Fringe Festival circuit because I thought I had to. Um, and I hated it for a really long time, and I saw everyone else enjoying it, so I thought, oh, well, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just wrong. Mm. I've got to keep doing it, and, and I just kept pushing myself to do these all these things that I really didn't like doing. But it was because I didn't feel confident enough to go. No, Kai, you don't actually like doing these things, so don't do the things you don't like doing. I thought, no, no, no I have to do it because it, it's just hard, and I don't like it because you know I need to work harder, or or you know, uh, this is the only way you can do it. And I, and and that was a trap that I fell into. The, 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 this is the this is the ladder. You yeah. do this, you do this, then this happens, then this happens, yeah. and that's how you make it. And you feel like you have to make something new every year. It took Absolutely. me a lot of years to go, oh, you can have a year off. Oh, wait, you can have a year off. And, yeah, exactly. And write and a no better one show. Cares. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, like this year, people are like, no oh, uh, oh, you're doing, uh, you're doing anything for Comedy Festival? I'm like, no. No. And they went, what? I'm like, no, nothing at all. That really but not you'll even, become like, instantly no. irrelevant, guys. Yeah, and they're like, oh, but are you going to be around? I'm like, no, nah, probably not. Because I don't need to be. Like, you don't need to always be. Like, it's, it's this weird thing that we have this idea that we have to do this thing because nothing else. There is no other option, you know, especially as a comedian, uh, you know, in, in Melbourne. People go, if you don't do Melbourne Comedy Festival, it's this weird thing. You go, oh, what are you, why aren't you doing it? I said, like, well... There are other ways. Well, this will be the second year I haven't done a new original mm. show. Yeah. yeah. Like I, so I got the the Gibbo in 2011. Yeah. And then I took a year off writing a show, but I still had the band, so I was still in. Yeah, yeah. So you still. Yeah. And then I then I wrote a really ambitious show that divided people, but it's still got some of my best songs in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was glad I did it. Yeah. Uh, on a shoestring, and a lot yeah. of things didn't work out the way I wanted, but there was still a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Some people, some of my friends' favorite show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Great. 
And then out of that weird kind of wilderness, I got the moose head for the last show. Yeah. Which was MDMA, and yeah. then I took the next year off. I didn't do a show last year. Yeah, 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 right. So, um, so this year I sort of went, oh, I don't, I cannot write a new original show. Yeah, but I can get a band and get a I band can and do something. Yeah, exactly. do a ten year show, which uh, is which is great. And and that, but that is a good thing is is not pushing, going, oh, I need to do another thing. I'll probably try. I'll be attempting to write a show by the middle yeah. of the year, but yeah. I couldn't do it for comedy festival. No, and I, but I, and, and I, and I really had to force myself last year to say just. Just to say no, because there's a lot of parts of me that was that were worried, that had that fear, going, oh, you've got to do it because everyone else is doing it, or you know, it's and it and it and it consumed me to the point where I just had to say, okay, no to everything, and then all of a sudden, I stopped being anxious, I stopped, you know, having this, <laughs> and now and and like the last like the last six months, I've just been doing things that I absolutely want to do, yeah. And it's calmed me down. Yeah. I've got more like creative, like creatively. I'm so much better because I'm going. Oh, cool! I can do this thing. Oh, this is a really good thing. And just not worrying about what I was doing for so long. I was like, Oh no, go do this thing. Oh, my yeah. problem's more. I have a million ideas, yeah. and I haven't got the resources or the time yeah, to do them all. Yeah. So exactly. I'm tripping over myself. Like this album's been such a, a head fuck for me because I because I have been, it's taken five years because you've been trying to do it with all the other things. Yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. And I, it's so expensive. And and like I yeah, played I played my prog rock Molly Meldrum song about Countdown to yeah. my friend the other day, and she went, Oh wow, that's really that's so great. You should get that out soon, though, because everything's Mo- Molly Meldrum. And I nearly bit her head off and went. I wrote this in 2011. <laughs> but the yeah. one thing I can do is I can still write. Yes. If I've got, that doesn't cost any money is it writing, it's which ha- is It's nice. hard when you're poor and you're worried about everything and you're doing everything to try to keep Absolutely. your head above water. But you can sit down and go, Yeah. that idea, mm. I can try to make that into a song and that doesn't cost anything but the no, time. but the time, exactly. So that's the, that's that's stopped me from going mm. over the edge a couple of times, just yeah. going... I can do I can that. I can still thing. do that thing. Yeah, and there's Absolutely. people who are performers who don't write. No, no, exactly. And that, yeah, that, that's true. And yeah. they can't do that thing. No, they, they will sit. They there. don't have that. Yeah, yeah. Mm, They've mm. got to wait for that job. Or yeah, or yeah. Which is crazy, especially like because uh, I, I do a bit of acting as well. Yeah, and uh, that's exactly what I was thinking of actors just waiting and, to and get the call. And it is like I, I, some some actors I know just wait for that call from someone else doing something. And I go, man, you must I, feel I, so I, it impotent. Would be, yeah, it would. And I, when I was when I was younger, I did that a little bit uh, Me because too. I was you know just an actor you know quite, a, quite a long time. Ago. We have a similar background. Yeah, I yeah, I think so. Uh, and and I was like, oh, apart from the hippie shit, wait. yeah, no, that's <laughs> the crazy hippies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and, and for a long time I was like, oh, I, I, I wish that something came up, and then and then the things that came up were really fucking terrible, and they were all <laughs> and they were written badly, and they were just and even even the ads I was going for were just horrible, horrible things. So then I stopped acting completely, and I actually um, got rid of my agent, and uh, I just didn't want to even have anything to do with acting. Snap, because I'm like, no, fuck this. This is <laughs> what? Why am I fighting to get shit roles? <laughs> Yeah, like I just didn't understand. So then I—that's why—that's why I started making my own stuff and uh, became a filmmaker myself. I'm like, I'm sure I can, I'm sure I can do this, you know, and actually make something interesting. 
well, you can make you can you've just got you're resting the power back is basically what it mm. is. You're just mm. taking that power. Yeah, back. taking the power back exactly mm. right, and, and and not feeling like oh, you're waiting for someone else to to come and save you or rescue you. Well, how mm. much of your of your deepest, darkest, depressive thoughts come from feeling like you haven't got any control over things? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when you can go, Do you know what, fuck it. Yeah. Like, okay, you haven't got any control over the industry. No. You haven't got any control over who chooses who. No. I haven't got any control over whether anyone wants to put any money into money me into, or yeah. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but I have control over working with extraordinary musicians yeah. who I've now built six to seven year, eight year relationships Absolutely. with, ten year relationships yeah. with some of them. Yeah. And I know they're reliable, and I yeah. will give them. All the money I can, and when I get a really well paid gig, they're the then first they're people. The first person, yeah, the f- yeah. first people I call, them and I pay them more than I. You pay the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you before. can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I don't go. Oh, I got away with two hundred bucks for a show yeah, last yeah, time. Yeah. I'll do that again. I go. No, you're getting no, no, five. You're getting paid. Yeah, you're getting yeah. paid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and yeah. that just means that you, you get a great kind of community mm. of people around you. Totally. I think. Totally. Transition. Now I, I do I do like the film festival circuit quite a bit now. So, so yeah, instead of the you won live an award circuit, recently, I did I did best film at uh, which one yeah, was that? Peninsula Short Film Festival. It's this crazy fist festival on the a Peninsula fist festival. Fist festival again. I know sweet festival. <laughs> it's yeah, it's this crazy short film festival on like in Rosebud that uh, that I uh, that I've done for the last two years. And wow. there's five thousand people there. What? Yeah, it's like the second biggest audience short film festival audience in australia like it's one of those ones that i got there and went where the fuck am i and How the amazing. judges and the judges are like all like industry professionals like this year the, uh, one of the judges was robert Connolly, which is the guy that did the boys and ah. he did three dollars he just did paper planes like he's like one of oh, the biggest planes. he's one of the biggest australian filmmakers boys you know, is he's one of the only too. auteurs we have he's like he's he's been here for like 30 years yeah. making films and he was one of the judges. I'm like, what the hell kind of film festival is this Amazing. that nobody knows about? Um, they do now because all six people who listen to my podcast yeah. are going to now enter their films. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Well, this, this is the funny <laughs> thing because I got best film and then all my filmmaker friends are ringing me up going, what's this festival? I purposefully <laughs> didn't tell any of my friends about it because um, it's $5,000 for, for first prize. Oh. So, so... You know, I was kind of happy that nobody knows about it because I'm still, you know, like I won this year and I got second place last year. That was for the clip? Yeah. So so this year, so I won Best Film for How Deep Can I Go. Last year I won Runner Up Best Film for How Loving Myself. Did you get anything um, for that or just? Yeah, the- two and a half grand. <gasps> I know. I know. Like, so oh, this festival, oh this God. this one short film festival is actually just keeping my, my short films being made because because now they're my, my my films are self-sustainable now only because of one short film festival do you know what you've just made a very bad mistake oh why because i have a massive idea for my <laughs> countdown prog rock song yeah and i'm actually gonna storyboard it properly yeah. for put once it, so that there. evan won't have to cope with me flying by the seat of my pants <laughs> and try to find the money yeah no it's it's, it's good, but it's good because I, I won you can't first. do a cheap prog rock film clip. no you can't you can't absolutely not <laughs> Well, that was Kai Smythe, also known as Harry Soulman. You can find a lot of his work on YouTube and around the traps. Next episode, I'm not sure. I've got a few in the bag, and I know I've got a few episode twos of a few people to put together. In fact, Kai and I talked for another 40 minutes. Gee, I crap on a lot with my friends. Hope you're liking it. Bye! 
the internationally acclaimed <laughs> multi award nominee. Multi award win. Multi award losing. Oh, I am. Uh, Critically, yeah. Internationally acclaimed. Critically international. Multi-award festivals. Seventeen different words <laughs> describing. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kais. Hey, Mike. that's fine. It was a pleasure. I'm sorry you have to go to work now, but uh, well, I'm also jealous well, that I make the money. You have a job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you came to my job, you wouldn't uh, be jealous. <laughs> Bye. Bye.